Hello, Internet. This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar, Imperial Esports Editor in Chief. Uh, welcome to the Rough Drafts team by team preview of the European LCS. We are on day seven. Can you believe we are already more than halfway through the league? Uh, and we are about to tackle one of the most interesting teams in all of Europe. I've been saying interesting for a lot of these teams. They all are interesting because it's the preseason. And until we know what's going to happen, uh, it's hard to call them anything else. Uh, let's just say one of the most defined teams that we have in Europe. This is one of the few teams where we don't have to speculate too much. We kind of know how awesome they're going to be. And by the way, when I say we, I of course mean that I am joined by my good friend, Walter Fetchuk. Walter, how you doing, buddy? Oh, man, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. It's been a long day. I think that this roster that we're about to talk about is probably the most straightforward out of all the rosters that we could possibly talk about between Europe and North America. I think everyone's pretty much an established quantity at this point, and it just comes down to a, a couple of little things, in my opinion. Yeah, and those couple little things are interesting things. We have Power of Evil added as what we're assuming is going to be the starting mid lane position, uh, Xpeke kind of shifting to alternate mid, and potentially player coach, because as of right now, they don't have a head coach. Uh, it seems like the kind of thing they would have announced if they wanted one uh, at IEM San Jose. They did not want one. So who knows how that's going to end up. Meanwhile, the rest of the roster, Soaz Top, Amazing Jungle, Niels AD Carry, Mythy Support. You've heard all these names before. You saw them get tied for third at the World Championship, despite having only played in the LCS for one split. Walter, when you look at this roster and how they were able to you know, maintain uh, the core of what made them so great last year. Uh, what do you what do you take from this? What are your expectations heading into this split? My my expectations are they were one of the top four teams at Worlds, and they made very little changes. They they changed a mid laner. Then I think Power of Evil is is pretty similar to Peke and what he brings to the team. So at the end of the day, you don't you change you don't change much. You don't really adjust much on the roster. So you know expectation is you need to be a top four team in the world, arguably, or else, you know, the split in the season and the season and the year is kind of a disappointment. So I think that's what the expectation is, is that maybe they don't run through fanatic style Europe, like, like fanatic last year. Maybe they don't do that, but they should be arguably the strongest, or if not the strongest, one of the strongest teams in Europe, the entire split. Yeah. There are a lot of things uh, that you have to like about this team. Most notably, just how well they performed under pressure, especially Niels, who was rookie of the split in the summer. Uh, certainly a guy who, you know, how could we know what he was going to be when he was first being thrust into this position? Just had huge performance after huge performance on the world stage. Xpeke really stepping it up, especially towards the uh, the regionals and the world championship after being a little bit iffy during a couple playoff games. Just a really, really fun team to watch. And, you know, we have to start, when you talk about the most exciting storyline, we have to talk about the one thing that's really changed about this team, which is obviously the introduction of Power of Evil. Walter, when you look at Power of Evil, what are the dimensions that he brings that affects this already stacked roster? So... I think Power of Evil adds a little a little flair in the mid lane, a little bit of a little bit of uh 
he can solo kill his opponent where where Peke was very passive and very let me just get through the laning phase let me set up the team to to be successful in the team fighting phase and later on in the game you know we saw him play a lot of Vladimir a lot of a lot of Oriana not a lot of champion you know, not a lot of assassins not a lot of I want to make plays where other teams were playing kind of assassins he was still like playing a Vladimir playing an Oriana playing Lulu playing these very safe control mages and where Power of Evil is good at that he does add some of that assassin and some of this kind of funky pick we've brought up in the past that that you know he played like Nasher's Tooth Oriana and went like this attack speedy on hit kind of build he of course was the guy who revolutionized using the smite in the mid lane back oh i think it was spring of 2014 maybe um you know you, doing all these kind of interesting things so i think he adds something that that they give a little bit of spice in the mid lane where Xpeke was very one note well, here's the thing about that, which I kind of find interesting. You mentioned how, you know, Xpeke at least felt like he was a more passive mid laner. When you look at the actual stats, uh, Power of Evil was sixth in KDA last split with a 4.3. Xpeke was second in that regard. But, you know, as we've said before with KDA, that doesn't say everything, especially because KDA is going to be so influenced by whether you're winning or losing. Uh, kill participation is the one area in which Power of Evil was significantly better than Xpeke. He had a 71.7% kill participation rate, which was third. Here's where it gets rough. Power of Evil was 10th in CS differential at 10 minutes. Worst mid laner in Europe at that regard. Uh, Xpeke was second in that. Uh, gold differential at 10 minutes, 10th. Xpeke was second in that. CS per minute for Power of Evil was 8th. Xpeke was 4th in that regard. Damage permitted, Power of Evil was fifth. Xpeke was third in that regard. These are huge changes as far as how Orihan potentially has to work if Power of Evil isn't taking the step forward this offseason. You know, so much of why Orihan was such a strong team is because Xpeke was so solid, so, you know, dependable and consistent that Amazing never had to gank the mid lane. You could basically just leave Xpeke alone for 20 minutes, and go gank top, get Soaz going, make sure that he doesn't have one of his crazy tilt games, and get that going, get the, you know, the dive bots, you can get the three-man tower dive, which Orihan was so good at. But now you have to take care of Power of Evil, because Power of Evil is a very weak laner. And if you leave him on his own, you're exposing yourself to a lot of weaknesses here. And I think that's one of those things where, you know, it, does that make Power of Evil bad? No, certainly not. And now he's going to be training with Xpeke. And this is a huge, you know, bonus for them. They, certainly, he looked really great at IEM San Jose with the team. So I don't think that, you know, these stats are necessarily the be-all, end-all as far as where we end up with with Power of Evil. But I do think that it's important to note how this is going to change some of the pathing that Amazing brings, some of the decisions that they make, especially in the early game, because it is a very different style of player. And you have to take that into account if you're going to be able to thrive in this kind of environment. Um, that said, there are plenty of things going right for this team that make me feel like Power of Evil is going to be just fine, the most notable of which is Neil's. Uh, for our underrated storyline for this podcast, I have to ask you, Walter, is Niels the most valuable AD carry in Europe at this point in his career? I I would agree. I would 100% agree. Uh, he's shown he's shown last split that he 
you know, the last year that he's a phenomenal lady carry, especially when paired with Miffy, he might, we might have reckless yellow star syndrome here where if Miffy ever leaves, we might see, or Niels ever leaves, uh, we might see some sort of drop off. But as long as those two are together, I think they're a phenomenal duo. Uh, Niels does have, in my opinion, a little bit of a weak champion pool. He really is kind of reliant on on a few champions, especially the Callista, and he plays them exceptionally well. But I want to make sure that he's not going to be completely out of contention if you know that his his signature champions are gone. Uh, he played a lot of Sivir. He played a lot of Callista. He didn't really play a lot of like the later game carry champions. And when he did, he was, you know, there are mixed results. He wasn't amazing at them. He wasn't awful at them. So that's what I want to see from him for this year is that he, he, he expands his champion pool. He works really hard on it and uh, establishes himself definitively as the best AD carry in Europe. Yeah, I think you're you're correct in Niels's champion pool. Certainly, there were, you know, some th- holes there uh, that we've seen him, you know, with mixed results. I think he can play most things if given enough time, and I'm sure he spent a lot of time this offseason figuring it out. But that would be the only hole I could really find in this guy's game. I mean, his KDA was incredible. It was 8.5, tied for the second most kills in Europe, first in kill participation for 80 carries. This is my favorite fun fact. He had the second least amount of deaths amongst starters uh, in that he died only one more time in his entire 18-game regular season than Woolite died in his six games on Rockat, which, you know, I think says everything you need to know about Woolite's tenure on Rockat, really, right there in one statistic. But, uh, but yeah, for, you know, this guy just his CS at 10 minutes, his goal differential at 10 minutes. Uh, everything you have with him is great. And he did it all in his rookie split. And I think he got better as the playoffs went along. I think he got better while he was playing at Worlds. And that, to me, is the most exciting part about Niels, is that this is the start of his career. Just imagine what a whole other offseason practicing with Mithy, playing with Xpeke, playing with, you know, all these guys is going to do for him. But but there is a fear, Walter, and it's a fear that, you know, I'm sure if you ask Soaz would be incredibly unfounded, but I can't help it. I have it anyway. And it's that Orihen seems to lack an emphasis on coaching in general. Right now, they have no analysts. They have no head coach signed to the team. Is it possible, Walter, that this could eventually come back to haunt them? as other teams continue to improve in this regard? I think it's entirely possible if whatever system they're currently using now, whether it's just the players themselves are going out, whether it's the players just saying, you know, screw it, you know, we're just going to play by instinct, we're only going to play our game, we're not going to worry about what opponents are doing until that stops working. That, if it keeps working, fine. You know, you were fourth place, you know, third, fourth place team at, at, at Worlds, I can't really argue against you. And we don't exactly know how much of that is Hermit. You know, how much of it was Hermit? How much of it was the players performing well? What exactly did Hermit do inside of that team? So at the end of the day, it is a fear that if all of a sudden the system stops working, it stops working, and then they're struggling to find a coach. But I can guarantee if, if they go a split and they realize that their system isn't working, that spot becomes arguably 
the most valuable coaching spot in, in all of League of Legends. And any coach would want to coach that team because of how talented they are just outright. And if they were able to do what they did in season five without having a coach and without having a real solid analytical staff in, in kind of how Soaz, Soaz is describing and how it's been described, then fine. I would want to go work for that team. Even, even if the, I might not be a hundred percent respected, I would still want to go work for that team because that is, that is a great place to be in terms of the talent. Well, it's interesting that you say that because if you look at, you know, Leduc who had the opportunity to be there, he stepped down for all the reasons that you just named that they didn't necessarily respect the coach that he didn't feel like he was having a huge impact. It wasn't in his mind, a great environment in which to work. And, you know, I think, it takes a certain type of coach to be comfortable in that environment. To me, I think Orihen is leaning towards ex Peke becoming a full-time coach. I think that's where the end of this story leads. I think by the end of summer, ex Peke is more coach than player. And that's fine, by the way. I don't think – I think uh, ex Peke has demonstrated a very good understanding of the game. I think he'll be a very good coach. And I think he is like the one guy who so as would say, sure – you can coach me. I'm totally okay with this, um, which kind of adds an interesting wrinkle to all of this. But but Walter, I'm I'm hearing my gumshoe music. I, oh, I can yeah. see the old school 1920s suit uh, coming through. Uh, you got a conspiracy on your hands. Talk to me. I think that Riot doesn't agree with that theory that they don't need a coach, and I think at some point. Some sort of rule will be established by Riot, kind of forcing them to have not ex Peke be their coach, not an owner, not you know, you know, not somebody else in the organization kind of doing double duty, but actually having a dedicated coach for the roster. Sort of like, like what they did with subs, having to have like requirements or something. I feel like Riot is going to make some sort of rule that your your coach has to hit some sort of benchmark just to force Origin not to use, you know, not to just have Xpeke stand up there because, you know, they need someone to stand up there. So, and I don't think that this team necessarily wants to have a real coach. I, I think that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. I think it's an interesting idea. I'd be wondering how Riot would do it because you can't, just say that owners can't be coaches, because then you screw over the unicorns of love, who have Sheepy as both their owner and their coach. Well, I guess you'd have to declare whether you're. You could say that you can't have a player coach, but at the same time, like I kind of miss that in the NBA, right? Like remember back in the day where Larry Bird was a player coach, like Bill I, Russell. Yeah, Bill Russell did it for a bit. Like that would. I think that's a fun idea. I think that I. First of all, I want. I want to back up your conspiracy theory by saying I would in no way, shape, or form be surprised if Riot put that kind of policy in. Like, that would not surprise me in any sort of way. But, on the other hand, I kind of hope they don't. Because I really like the idea of ex Peke and Power of Evil alternating being the coach, depending on which one is playing. And them kind of like technically being both players and coaches and you know, the idea of watching the two of them argue back and forth on what strategy should really go in. I don't know. It could add an interesting dynamic that if I was Riot, I would want to embrace. But I'm not Riot, and they tend to do the opposite of most of the things that I'd like them to do. So I'm sure they'll crack down on it, as you've kind of uh, 
suggested there. But all of this taken into account, Walter, where do we see this origin team at the end of the day? Oh, this is the best team in Europe. Hmm. This is the best team in Europe at the beginning of the split because there are so many questions on Fnatic and so many questions on H2K Gaming. I think, to me, they're arguably you know one of the... the top contenders at the end of the split. I think that they, they along with, as we said on the HGK podcast, I think these are the two teams that at the end of both splits are going to be there in the finals, and one is going to win one, and one is going to win the other. Mm-hmm. And don't ask me which one is going to happen. I don't know <laughs> if Orient's going to win spring or summer. I don't know if HGK is going to win spring or summer. But that's honestly how I feel about both these teams. And unless something extremely drastic happens with this team, where maybe it's so at you know where where one of these players just completely falls off, and if I had to make a guess, it'd probably be so as. I think that this roster is going to stay together for the entire year. They're going to be arguably the you know the top two team in Europe, and we're going to see them at Worlds next year, and it's going to be hype. Yeah, I really like this Orihan roster as well. It's kind of impossible not to like, right? Like this was the second best team in the summer. They pretty much breezed through regionals with a little bit of resistance from the uh, the artists formerly known as Rocket, who have now been distributed amongst everybody else. Um, but this team is just so good, and every concern I have about Power Vival gets answered by the question: But is X Peke able to coach him? Which is obviously yes. So I I have a lot of hope for this team. I think they're definitely top two. I'm going to go back and forth between them and H2K for winning the spring split, somewhere between eight and 18,000 times before I write my final article on it. But those two, I agree with you 100%, are the top two teams in Europe. Uh, and I cannot wait to see them face off head-to-head because it's going to be a battle of ideologies as much as it's going to be a battle of talented players. Uh, each of whom can be arguably at the top of their position on the right day. But that is the end of this particular podcast. Uh, It has been a fun seven days of Europe so far. We started with Team Vitality, moved to Splice, H2K, Unicorns of Love, Fnatic, Gamers 2, and now today, Orihen in Europe. And we've been doing the same thing in North America, in case you've been missing those. Started with TSM, Immortals, NRG, uh, CLG, Dignitas, Cloud9, and Renegades today. Uh, If you've missed any of these, you should totally go check those out. You can find them on soundcloud.com slash esportsgamblinghour, or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes at the Esports Gambling Hour. You do either of those two things, you'll know as soon as they pop up, They'll go right on your phone or right on whatever device you use to listen to your podcasts. Um, you know, we've got three more days left to go, so you definitely don't want to miss what's coming next as we wrap up some of the more divisive, we'll say, teams that are going to be coming up in both Europe and North America. Uh, you can also continue the conversation with us on Twitter. I am at King. Walter, where can they find you? You guys can find me at CADs underscore LOL. And we've got to go back to the random number generator to decide who we're going to talk about next. But until then, goodbye, Internet.